Hello, welcome to Derp Dispatches from the Pandemic. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your quarantined co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about secrets. But before you do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Secrets. (laughs) Uh, On this podcast, we like to talk about games. And also a bunch of other stuff. But this episode is going to be a True Blue Games episode. Um... So we're talking about secrets and specifically like the secret things that will like devs and designers will like put in their games to kind of be like slowly uncovered by the player base. Um, There's a bunch of different angles for this. It feels like more and more there are there's like some version of this right in in most games that are out there. Yeah, no. So I was also. Like, when I when I thought of this idea, I was also thinking about, like, the kind of very in-your-face kind of, like, you know, punch a wall and there's a power-up behind them type secrets as well. Um, you know, that's obviously a very different style than the kind of, like, narrative secrets, which, you know, I, I've been playing uh, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. Um, and there's a little bit of the, of the kind of, like, grander story stuff in there, but, like, a lot of that is just kind of, like, you know, how do you, tr- how do you design, like, kind of uh, gameplay uh gameplay secrets so that they're they're super so that they're compelling um and how you track them but uh uh, you obviously had some thoughts on on where exactly you wanted to go with this why don't you kick us off okay so the the big thing that i have noticed about secrets is the prevalence of like community solving secrets so there's a couple of different angles in this right so for instance um with World of Warcraft, which we all know is, like, one of my big games, right? Like, with World of Warcraft, there is, like, a very famous Discord, like, the Secret Finder Discord. And with every patch, they typically, like, if there is something hidden in the patch, they will, like, obsessively work on it until they can figure it out. A lot of the times it's, like, a mount. Um, or, for instance, uh, this one time it was a, uh, sometime it was, like, a belt that you could just, like, transmog into anything, and the belt itself, like, the belt buckle was a clock, um, and it was called the Waste of Time, but, like, W-A-I-S-T, and it's because, like, unlocking the Waste of Time is, like, really time-consuming, and it took, like, the Secrets Discord, like, forever to figure it out, right? Um, (laughs) and the more, and the more kind of advanced... Um, your your secrets are the more sort of advanced the community around them will become to sort of answer. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, uh, abs- absolutely. And, and I think there's a good mirror for this in in terms of uh, um, uh, like destiny, right? Where it, we kind of do get this blending of kind of the mechanical and the and the uh, and kind of the story, the community story secret. It's much more in the forefront in Destiny, for instance, right? Like. Um, uh, recently, last season, we had the, uh, the 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 corridors of time, I believe, was what it was called, um, and you basically had to find uh, the end of it. Essentially, you you had to go find like this this end state, but it was all these branching halls, um, and it was like seven halls, I think, off of each one, and the only way to figure out how to get to the end was to enumerate all of them. Um, and so you had the entire community, um, especially kind of like the it's called raid secrets for Destiny, where you're, where you go and find these little things. But for some like a main event like this, right? Like you had people going, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, combinations in aggregate to figure out what the end state was. Um, and I think kind of as a highlight for this, the the kind of a consequence of that was like 
fairly like banal and like not like very very uh exciting so people were just kind of like mad about it <laughs> like they did, people did not enjoy that particular raid secret in, in destiny 2 and uh i think that's kind of like comes with the territory right like the the stuff you're talking about like the waste of time is is a mog item right it's relatively small in terms of what it is and it's not like you're hiding like you know it's not like the secret fate of i don't know like illidan or something is hidden behind it um and uh yeah so yeah um yeah yeah uh, th that's actually kind of an interest like an interesting thing because i think the wow community has like learned in a way from that um or not like from that specifically but like from that style i guess i would call it um of secret keeping or like secret hiding or whatever like so for for instance um one of the mounts i think it's like the mind worm or something like one of the mounts that you can get uh via the via the secret had like a bunch of different steps in it but the steps were always kind of like interesting and creative in a way that like kind of prompted the community to like think like so for instance um like, one of them was just about, like, finding small clickable objects in, like, thematically appropriate locations. And the, uh, and the, and it was all in Ulduar. And once you clicked all of the things, it created sort of, like, this grid that was, like, a hundred by a hundred of these, um, kind of, like, glowing yellow orbs. And if you clicked an orb and then clicked another orb, it would create a line between the orbs, right? And that was a really engaging way to sort of hide a step in the puzzle because now all of a sudden the secret community is like, oh, we have to draw something on this grid in order to unlock the next step. What is it that we could possibly, like, what is it that we could draw here? And so, like, people were drawing and trying a bunch of different things, um, and eventually it turned out it was, like, a gear. You had to draw a gear, um, in order to, like, in order to get there. But I think that there's a lot more, that's a lot more engaging and creative an activity for, like, a secret finder, if that's the kind of, like, thing you're going for, than just sort of iterating on, iterating on this thing over and over and over again. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is that, like, there, there, there is this implicit thing where if we hadn't solved it by the time, like, uh, I think it was the next reset rolled around, which just kind of would have been given to us anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of put a damper. It's like, what, we, we, we wasted all these hours just to get, like, a thing two days early. It's not even that impressive a thing. I forget, I even forget exactly what, what the consequence was, but it was, it was not mind-shattering. And it's also not, like, like, there's a kind of reward for doing the stupid thing. Like, just like, you know, like, you know, like you said, like, there's this, the, the waste of time, like, you know, it's minor, but it's a unique thing that you got for kind of going through it, right? Um, it's not kind of, like, necessary for the game in any in, in any way, and even, like, I, don't, I, I feel like that's kind of the, the, the big, the, the big difference, right? Like, it's not, nothing's riding on it, really, and... It's not like there, there's also I think I think there's specifically other live kind of controversies with, um, with Destiny that like kind of fuel this type of like resentment for these types of things, right? Like, and, and that's like totally unrelated to the the fact that there uh, there are secrets, but like there's not even like just kind of the infrastructure for um, that kind of reward to even show up, right? Like while there's moggable stuff in Destiny, like ornaments is what they're called and they're not like 
a thing that ever gets handed out as a uh, um, as kind of like a like a bonus per patch, right? They're like exclusively um, kind of they're actually exclusively kind of stuff that you get from the cash shop, and that's part of this. Right? Like I think the present there's a whole destiny specific thing I could go into there, but I think that's part of like why the the specific secret ring hall, but things like the the general raid secrets um, kind of are are a uh, a big a big driver for a lot of the people who care about, say, the lore of Destiny. Um, uh, and that's all, like, super optional and not, like, a, a problem, I guess, is the, is the right way to put it. Yeah, I, like, the funny thing about the WoW, like, I'm actually looking through some of the older, um, like, some of the older WoW secrets, and it's funny to see the progression of them, right? Like, the first couple of secrets that they put out were very, like, straightforward, right? Like, the Riddler's Mind Worm is just, you need to find eight pages of this book, and the pages are just, like, in hidden locations all throughout the world of Warcraft, which is, like, huge, right? And it is, like, a needle in a haystack kind of thing, but, like, sure, eventually enough people were combing over enough spots that they found... Oh, here's page three, here's page six, here's page whatever, right? But then I'm looking at the one where, you know, you have to draw the gear. And the funny thing is that drawing the gear is the first thing that you have to do. It's like the first piece of the step. Then you have to go play a, like a, like a bejeweled, um, mini game. But, like, the rules of the Bejeweled minigame aren't clear. So, like, what do you have to do? And it turns out you have to match five brains or whatever. And then uh, you need to go to a specific... You have to buy a craftable item from, like, the WoW Classic days. This Shadow Weave mask. You have to equip it. And you have to go to this place in, like, Deepholm and click on a rock there. And with the mask on, when you click on the rock there, you'll you'll progress. And it's like, how did they figure this out, right? Like, how did they figure out that the rock was clickable, but you couldn't activate it properly unless you were wearing specifically this one mask out of, like, thousands or whatever? Um, and, like, and so that is... That's the interesting thing, I guess, is like watching the secrets grow more complex over time and to sort of like meet the collective investigative power. Um, I also uh, like it also reminds me a lot of the Five Nights at Freddy's community because they also have like a huge, huge emphasis on secrets. Like, honestly, the the meat and potatoes of those games are the secrets right, right? Uh, like, but the story uh, the story implications yeah because like you don't really get the story you get you get a very basic version of the story um by kind of like playing through but like to get like the lore and the backstory to unlock special endings and all of this other things you have to do like really specific things like one of the secrets is you have to dial a phone number into tiles on the wall that just look just look like they just look like tiles on the wall right um, but like, if you assume that those nine tiles are a keypad and you enter a phone number in it, it will like unlock the secret level for you or something kind of like, and it's like, how do people, how do people figure this shit out? How do people, how do people do this? Um, at the same time though, uh, I think there is something to be said for secrets being kind of like too much in a way. Um, the example there would probably be Total War Warhammer, where they had a bunch of secrets. Basically, each of the legendary lords had a secret item that you could pick up that was like a like an epic item or whatever. But you, but like 
it, you didn't just get a quest for it in the way that you normally would. You had to fulfill some kind of like esoteric quest objective, and then you would like generate the quest for it and kind of like move through until you got their secret item. And they eventually removed it because um, like people who knew about the secret, it was like, well, who cares? Um, I I can get. I know that when I play whatever, you know, Queen Alariel, I have to go capture this settlement because it'll trigger the quest line to get my secret quest item or whatever. Um, but for people who didn't, they were, like, missing out on real power for their characters, right? And so, like, you know, in WoW, where it's just a mount or it's just a transmog item, that's fine. Um, but in a game where you're locking real power behind somebody's, like, esoteric knowledge of the lore of Warhammer um, or whatever, like, that, that can actually feel a little bit shitty. Yeah, plus, like, in a game like that where you're designed to kind of play through it multiple times, right? Like, uh-huh. the, esoteric, like the esotericness, like, loses its kind of, like, allure, I guess is the right way to put it, right? Like, when you're playing well, right, you have to do it once, essentially. Like, maybe once yeah. per character on the outside. And it is on but, all, yeah, it is on all your characters. It's, yeah. like, on your account, whatever else. Yeah, and even if you have to do it once per character, that's still, like, not, like, you know, presumably you're if you're investing time into a character, you know... Uh, you know, an hour or two out of like the you know, forty eight hundred hours you're gonna put into the character is not the end of the world. But like you know, if every time you put up put up a Warhammer campaign, you 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 feel like you have to go through this and like you know things like that, like um, kind of like habit forcing behavior, kind of can can really seriously damage those particular um, types of games because you know you're shaping what you have to what you ha- kind of have to accomplish in that playthrough in order to get that. And, like, it kind of, like, diminishes your options, right? Like, um, I don't know anything about these particular secrets, but, like, if, like, one of the steps is up in the north, you don't really have the option of being, like, maybe I'll concentrate on the south this this campaign. Um, or, you know, you have to be okay with, like, losing that thing, right? Without any yeah. without any substitute. Um, I think I, I, I think that's, that's a big part of it, is, is like, um, is that, like, in, in kind of iterative games, secrets like that are are just kind of not great. Um, but th- it's, it's interesting to kind of contrast that with something like uh, with something like say Enter the Gungeon or Gone Viral, um, where like these the, the secrets that are there are like you know kind of like they're they're power grabs, right? Like they're 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 explicitly power grabs, but you can't know where they are because the levels are randomly generated. And uh, at least in my experience playing these games, more often than not. They're a thing you either accidentally find or a thing where, like, some other mechanic reveals them, right? Like, a thing that will unveil the whole map for you. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll show those to you. But it's not, like, a thing that you you, you, you can actively hunt down. Yeah, um, the, the specific mechanic in Gone Viral is that there will sometimes be, like, a speci- like a secret hallway or whatever. Uh, but there's no door to it. You have to blast open a section of just normal-looking wall. So for a lot of the time, you will uh, you will only find it if you, like, are fighting a bomb enemy and he happens to blow up next to it or whatever. Um, and that does feel, like, good. Um, but I think the real thing that you're looking for in those sorts of situations... Um, are so, okay so for instance there have been times in gone viral where i have looked at a section of wall and just kind of been like wait a minute and then i like bomb it and there's a and there's like a door there and that feels incredibly gratifying right like that's the thing that feels great and that's the thing that you're sort of like looking for um 
But I do think, you know, 95, 98% of the time, you just kind of happen into it, and uh, and that's the end of it. Yeah, I, but I, I think the other part of that, too, is that, like, if you, like, I, I'd say it's, like, you know, 15% of the time you happen into it, and, like, you know, uh, what is, like, 70% of remaining time or, like, 80% remaining time, you just kind of never see it. And I think that that's fine, right? Like, it, it's, like, a thing that, like, you don't see, see like, so you don't know. And I think, like, having that out, like, it doesn't really, aff- like, while it doesn't really affect your progress in that game, unlike, you know, kind of having this terrific knowledge in Warhammer um, 2 would, especially because, like, Warhammer, or not Warhammer 2, but War- Warhammer, uh, uh, the Warhammer Total War, um, especially because it's like kind of like an open game, right? Like it's a game that like each campaign has has the potential to be very different. Um, compare that to say like um, either like a classic game or like like I was talking about earlier, Doom, uh, 2016, where the secrets are known and like set, but like it's you're not like doing it more than like you can go back and find secrets, but the secrets are kind of permanent. Um, and like, um, because the game is, because the game is linear, it's not like you're affecting a playthrough because of it, right? They're all kind of like sectioned off their own piece of gameplay. And the thing you'd be replaying it for is like, for say difficulty options. And so having the, like maybe you're doing uh you know, you ran through the game on normal and now you're running through the game six months later on hard. And you think, Hey, why don't I like pay attention and see if I can find as many of these secrets as possible. Right? Yeah. And, and you know, there, there is some power associated with them in doom, but like, if you know where they are, they're not really a pain to go get. And they're not like fundamentally affecting the way that you're like playing through the game, right? Like you're, you're not, you're not basing your gameplay decisions off of those things. Um, you're basing kind of like your, your, uh, your, your kind of exploration gameplay off of that, which, which works differently in, uh, um, in doom. Um, kind of along those lines, um, something that we have kind of in the current day that we never really had, that we didn't have when we were growing up is like the ability to kind of access all of these secrets, um, on the internet, right? Like you can like, you know, like I was, when I was missing a secret in doom and I couldn't figure it out, I could, I, you know, I'd alt tab over and Google how to find it. Um, just cause like at some level, I don't, I don't care anymore. Right. Like, and I know that, you know, if you really enjoy doing that, you can, you can, uh, uh, you know, you can stop yourself from doing that. But uh, uh, what, what do you do? You have any particular experiences with with that kind of like? Uh, or how do you how do you feel that like the ability to kind of just look up secrets? So has, something has that's really game? interesting is, I mean, I, I keep I'm going to keep going back to this. Well, uh, in one of the wow, um, in one of the wow secret things, one of the steps is what's called the endless halls maze. Um, and the Endless Halls maze works like this, right? You walk into a room, and it's four walls, right? Um, left, right, and straight are your sort of options. There are going to be doors that are open and doors that are closed. You can have up to all three of your doors open, uh, but most of the time it'll be like one or two. And the thing is, the structure of the maze is randomized by your player ID and the day of the week. So if you fail the endless maze on Friday and you try again on Saturday, it will be different and you will, and you will have to kind of like start all over. Um, the anatomy of the endless maze is essentially like, there's like, it's like an, it's an eight by eight grid, but like the edges of the grid will touch other parts 
of the maze. And so when you are running through that secret, it, this honestly took me like three hours to complete. When you're running through that secret, you want to try and like chart out and figure out like, okay, where is my, like, what does my maze look like? Right. And, and there's all of these pieces to make that harder for you, right? Because you would think, okay, well, if it's just that maze, I should be able to map it pretty well, right? So, like, I should be able to um, run through and you'll see sort of, like, everything and you'll kind of see where, like, the patterns overlap and you can uh, – and you can kind of, like, map things back on themselves and solve the problem. Okay, well, here's the thing about the Endless Halls maze is – there, first of all, there are what are called trap rooms. Um, there is one room in the maze that when you enter it, it will teleport you to a random location in the map, right? So if you just keep hitting your teleportation trap over and over and over again, it just becomes incredibly hard to map the thing out because like you think you're just moving from one room to the next room, but you actually hit the teleportation trap and that's why your your map is so weird. And the other thing is there are rooms that are in the same location but function differently. Um, essentially, they're called non-intersecting crosses, which is that if you come at the room from the north, it will spit you out one to the south and if you come out of the room from the east it will spit you out to the west but both of those rooms which are hypothetically just a hallway right are stacked on top of one another so like you can be running in the same spot but in a different orientation and you're looking at your map and you're like wait hold on a second this isn't supposed to spit me out this way this is supposed to be a dead end but for some reason i can go through it kind of thing um and and the developers said that. They were like, listen, we wanted to create a puzzle that couldn't just be completed by following the guide, you know? Um, so so they made, like, the Endless Halls maze. And I got to say, it was – it worked. It was insanely engaging. I was, like, up all night trying to figure out my Endless Halls maze. I remember I was talking to a friend of the cast, Enoch, about it uh, across Battle.net because he was the only other person align on, online at, like, 1 a.m. or whenever I was doing this kind of thing. Um but uh, but I do think that that makes it a lot more, like, fun and engaging. Because, like, you know, you can see the fun if you're in the secret community or whatever at opening up that huge grid and drawing and figuring out that you need to draw the gear. But when I got to it, I just saw that, okay, you open up the grid and then you fill it in by clicking this. And, then, you know, that's just, like, less engaging, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I, I, I think I kind of like the, uh, the kind of midway that I get with like, say, Doom, right? Like, is I go into the level and I give it my best effort, and if there's something that I can't find, the ability to go look it up just like makes stops it from being a pain, right? Um, and again, something like Wow, you're not really locking power behind those things, but in, in like. In a lot of these these kind of like traditional secret games, I'll call them. There's at least some measure of power locked behind them. In yeah. uh, um, in Doom 2016, it was like uh, like a weapon and suit upgrades, um, uh, and in like uh, in in the new one, it's it's a little bit more subtle than that. I actually haven't fully uh, like gotten through all of them. I think some of them are just collectibles, and some of them are power. But it's, it's you know it's it's mostly the same thing. Um, uh, but uh, 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 something, something that so something that Doom, 
2016 did and something like Doom Eternal also did that is very different from the classic games, like the classic games in general, is um, if you kind of like pass by the area where some of these things are, it'll pop up on on the map as like a question mark being like there's like a secret here. Um, and I won't tell you exactly how to get there, but like you'll kind of like get the idea um, for some of it. Like, you know, like, like you know, hmm, I've walked past this and since there's a doll, you know, like uh, one of the big things in Doom 2016 is you could collect these little, um, basically like they were like almost like Funko Pops of the Doom guy in like different costumes. Um, and uh, like Oh, it, yeah, I remember seeing GIFs of those for Doom yeah. 2016 uh, on Twitter when it came out. Yeah, so like the, the, it was, it's a pretty cool thing, but like you'd see it like show up on your app and you'd be like, you know, I don't know, I didn't get it, but I can walk back there and kind of figure out what I'm supposed to do in order to find it there. Um, which I always thought was, I thought it was like a, a kind of good compromise to keep it from being like infuriating when you're just combing the map for it, mm-hmm. um, especially because those games did highlight how many <gasps> secrets there were to find. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on, on that kind of on that kind of design? I do. I actually do like that quite a bit, um, and it's something that I've seen in other games uh, that has like worked out well, I guess. Because um, like there, there are always the games that like encourage me to kind of collect. Like something that I've been doing. So I, I, I talked about, and we'll talk about this in the back half. But I had talked a little bit about how I was having, um, I was kind of falling off WoW a little bit. I've been going really, really hard. Um, on WoW for a while, and uh, and one of the things, I was just like, you know what I should do? I should finish off Mass Effect Andromeda, right? Like, I got basically to the end of mission, and I just, like, never really played through it, and uh, and so, I, like, I went back, and and I just, like, like, hammered out the last couple of missions, or whatever, um, and something that that game does is the exact same thing. It'll just give you, like, a little... You know, hey, here's a little question mark. And it's kind of in an area, and you have to sort of, like, scan and figure out, you know, where in this uh, uh, sort of big, giant area it is. And I think a lot of these kinds of open-world games have mechanics that sort of, like, look like that. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, it's, I think it's Far Cry that, that will do that, where they will show you sort of, like, a big, wide circle with like a question mark on it to like hunt down whatever this thing is um if you're like looking for it and they will like narrow slowly over time until you kind of like track it down and it's just like you know it's whatever it's like a rare tiger that you can kill for its pelt or something stupid like that um but that you know like that kind of like little hunt feels good and i think getting that little indication that little question mark feels you know uh it, it that is probably like the sweet spot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I think that's actually an, an interesting point because you kind of brush up against a, a similar issue, which is like, at what point do you like do you like collectathons and and uh, and secrets kind of like cross over and merge with each other, um, right? Because like you know, uh, like Assassin's Creed, right? Like had like seven different types of collections, and some of them are for power, and some of them are for like whatever um and uh like how much did uh or like um like a super mario odyssey like there are like four or five times as many stars as you could ever need to finish the game but like finishing like you know finding them is at least to me was 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 a lot of fun um um but they're like at some at some of their collectibles at some of their like not you know at some of their secrets 
Um, yeah, the funny thing is that they kind of like feel like one another in certain instances. Like in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which takes place in Rome, um, there's a whole sort of like subplot and a mission where Ezio Auditore, who's like the you, the the assassin that you're playing, is <laughs> trying to track down um, these like these like fragments of like notes from like ancient rome and the thing is and it's all very it's like it's it's not a secret in the way that you would think about it right like they're pretty blatant you go and you pick them up they show up on the map when you kind of zoom out to the map you can click on it and it'll create like a waypoint for you um but like the process of unlocking all of these things and having them sort of point you more and more in the right direction until you unlock this tomb and it's the tomb of you know, like Lucius Bruticus or Lucius Brutus, um, like the guy who killed Caesar, like Caesar's friend or whatever. Um, and it's his armor and it's like the best armor in the game. And that feels like a secret, right? Because of kind of like the narrative of it and like the sort of underlying, you know, um, you know, like the, the underlying mechanics that define the 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 mystery of it all but if you look at it just kind of on paper it wouldn't be considered a secret right that's a very a very straightforward upgrade all you need to do is go you know like go collect all of these things that show up on your map as soon as you perform eagle vision on a tower or whatever um and you'll you'll get it uh and so i do think that there's a certain amount of secret and secret keeping that is just like purely aesthetic yeah, no, I I think that that makes the most sense, especially, especially in games where you're like where, where you're marking where the things are, right? Like, yeah, because um, at some point that's just like that, that is at some level a thing to be connected. You're just putting it behind like a a a challenge, and the challenge is kind of like can you notice the piece of the environment um, that you need to scale in order to get there, um, and the fact that it's optional, right? Because like I don't know if you think about this, like a lot of adventure games are like. Could could be described as like a set of secrets one after the other, but they're kind of mandatory for progress, and so they're not they're not really secret. They're kind of just like base advancement, right? But like you're you're kind of going through the same type of like, uh, you know, like weird. How did you figure this out? Type of stuff. Like yeah, the one that comes to mind is is in classic Monkey Island. You the way you like went down a like a uh, a rope line to get to to get across a, a gap was you like used a rubber chicken and like a wheel to like wheel across it. And it's like kind of like who would have ever thought of this. Right. And in like, a, but in, in the context of the scenario, it's the only way to advance. So it doesn't get read as a secret, which is, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, I, I, I think you're absolutely right there that there's like a, a large aesthetic component to like how, how, how secrets play out. Uh, right. Cause like, um, you're talking about Gone Viral, right? And, like, kind of these secret rooms are a staple in roguelikes, right? Like a, a wall that you that you can break through. Um, but in, in, uh, in NetHack, um, there are some, like, some tools that you just kind of, like, burrow through walls, right? Like, it, NetHack's very kind of very open-ended. Um, so they're, like, wants of digging, whatever, that, like, you go through things. Um, and there are some, like... There are some rooms that are sectioned off that you can only get you through those means. They're just kind of like randomly generated by the map. Um, they're just kind of usually like just kind of like like weird offsets or you know like things that you can't really uh, like that you know you'd never expect to get to. It, it's just it's, it's uh 
and that, that's very much kind of like an aesthetic thing, right? Like, uh, you know, this is a secret cordoned off area that um, you have, have to creatively apply the mechanics to get to, but it's not like it's not a mechanical secret in the same way that the other ones are, right? Like, the, you know, you if you go through these steps, you will unlock it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it also reminds me a little bit, like, something that I also remember doing uh, in not Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, but I think Assassin's Creed 2 was... So, okay, so Assassin's Creed had this framing device um, where, like, you are a modern descendant of this guy, right? And you get in the Animus, and it, like, unlocks your memories in your DNA, and, like, it simulates in essentially VR... Like, you going back in time and being that person, right? And the character who was the framing device was, like, Desmond or whatever. Um, But I think Desmond was, like, Subject 13 or something. And there were all of these secrets in Assassin's Creed 2 about, like, a Subject 8 or whatever. And the secrets were these, like, little glitches and anomalies that you would find throughout the map that, like, weren't marked down. But I think were, like, part of, like, the codex or something. Like, if you went and you read the entry on, like, you know, if you're in Florence and you read the entry on, like, the Duomo or something, it would include, like, a little something in there that would, like, draw your attention to it, I guess? I don't really remember, like, the specifics of it. Um... But the but I remember being really animated to find all of those those glitches and finding all of those glitches rewards you with like audio logs, right? And the more audio logs that you get, like the more you learn about like Subject Eight, who was like essentially in the uh who he was like he was like in the Animus or whatever before you, but he was like planting bad stuff in there to try and like fuck with the company who's like forcing you to do this and stuff or whatever and so it was just like it was entire the reward there was entirely world building in the same way that like the the five nights at freddy's stuff was like entirely world building um but it's probably one of the it's like one of the real times in a game where i have been like well and truly deeply motivated by lore Right, and that's it. You know, like, there was nothing else to doing this. It was just, I want to know the lore, right? Like, of this of this secret mystery underlying, underlying the game. And so I think that there's a certain amount of that aspect, I guess, of it all. Where, you know, you're kind of... Um, it's about putting, like, the right thing behind the secrets to, like, build the business. Or, I'm sorry, to, like, build the, like... Uh, I don't know. Maybe business is the right word. Build the 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 meat the the meat of the mystery, right? That you want to explore. Yeah. No. And like something like you know, Destiny has a similar thing where like different lore books will imply different things about characters. There's a bunch of theorizing there, but like even something like like I think the probably the series most famous for this is Dark Souls, where almost all the storytelling is done through like item descriptions oh yeah environmental yeah or i mean but even like you know like you like open up like the the great sword and has a description on it that tells you like you know like and this was like you know like you know like it's got like some passage from something you're like what the hell is this about right like um there's not a ton 
in the game directly about what's happening, but like you can read about like, you know, the Knight Artorius off of his sword or whatever. Um, and that's not even like really a secret, right? Like, you know, some of the items are, are, you know, secrets to get and that's like its own thing. But like a lot of the information is just like, you know, you just have to look at the item and read it. Um, and it's a secret in that, like, it's not a thing you normally care about as a gamer, I guess, but like, it's not like, uh, like the, the secrets there are, you know, are, are much more about the world building and like, can you find, like, can you connect the dots there? Right. And it's all implications never really confirmed. So, um, you know, you know, many a YouTuber has made their career, um, off of those types of things. Uh, mm -hmm. like, like Vati most famously, I guess, uh, that, and, uh. And, uh, like, similarly for Hollow Knight, there's, like, this, there's all this stuff there, like, you know, like, what exactly is the nature of the Hollow Knight and uh, what happened in the world's not exactly clear. And, you know, you can go through all the different stuff and, like, read into the implications and, you know. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's also another, like, huge thing for, uh, uh, for WoW or whatever. Like, one of the bosses in the Emerald Nightmare um would give you these they would like say like cryptic things and there must be hours and hours of youtube videos of people theorizing well what does he mean when he says you know like you know one hand is cloaked in shadow the other cloaked in light or something like who is who is she what is light what is chat you know like every every piece of it gets dissected and people make these like wild uh sorts of uh these like these wild not accusations but um leaps to be like oh it's talking about this oh it's talking about that kind of thing um it's funny because like sometimes these things get confirmed like this just happened in hearthstone where um i guess spoilers for the descent of dragon adventure if uh, you guys haven't played it so uh reno jackson has been a hearthstone character for a while now but he's like hearthstone only um and someone theorized that Reno Jackson was a dragon because of a piece of promotional art where a character called the curator was jumping into a pool that had Reno Jack Jackson, a cow, and Finley Mergleton in it. And the curator card draws you a dragon, a beast, and a murloc from your deck. And someone was like, hey, wait a second. If the curator is jumping into this thing and there is clearly a murloc there and clearly a beast there, does that mean that Reno is a dragon? And then, like, three years later, it turns out, yep, Reno Jackson was a dragon this whole time. He is, like, Reno, Reno, Reno Ligus or whatever. And that's, like, the big reveal in Descent of Dragons is Reno turns into a dragon and, like, defeats the final boss kind of thing. Um, but, like, that's just people, like, reading the foreshadowing and incredibly well yeah i mean there's also the other side of this which is <laughs> where like you know you know stuff will get thrown out and people will be like hmm does this mean this and the, and you know and like whoever's in charge of it is like hmm yes definitely that is what i meant and then you know proceeds to insert it into the next game regardless of you know whether that was the plan or not too which, which you know i think is fine in its own way right like you know that's kind of like a ascended fan theory type stuff um yeah um, but I think that's I think that's all like super cool, right? Like it's like pe people like you know you throw you throw it's like a thousand monkeys at a thousand typewriters type stuff, right? Like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You you throw enough information at enough people, and somebody will come up with a really cool idea, whether or not that it ends up being canon or not. Mm -hmm. um, and like like I said, sometimes the stuff's so cool that it becomes canon, um, even if it was never intended that way, which is uh, 
neat. Um, so how much do you care about like secrets? Like you've have you been going pretty hard on the Doom Tomb secrets, or like uh, are you letting are you like letting them go? Uh, so the Doom secrets, I like I enjoy them from a collection standpoint. In Doom 2016, I was mostly playing to get through it so I could be ready for Doom Eternal, and so I collected enough to get the upgrades that I wanted. Um, I would get them if I walked past them, but I didn't sweat it too much towards the end of the story. Um, uh, there's like there's not like a lot of like kind of like extracurricular content is is how I put it there, right? Like it's not like getting a secret in um, in in Eternal for the most part has a like. Like, if I find a toy that's cool, but, like, doesn't really have a lot of effect on the gameplay for me, some of it does, right? Like, there's um, a thing, to, a big thing to unlock um, in each of the levels. It's, like, this big, hard encounter. And, like, I found one of them, and I'm not super deep into the game. Uh, we'll get into that later. But, like, um, and you need to do that to do an, another thing. But, like, I'm doing those things because they're, like, they, like, get me weapon upgrade points. Um, and, like, to a certain extent... Uh, in like in in other games where like there's there's story aspect to it, um, I'll enjoy going through those things. But at some level, some of those things can be like just as well done by somebody doing an analysis video on YouTube, and I don't have to like waste three hours trying to uh to do it. I will say that like the ones that had rewards and say wow when I was playing that were were always super fun to me. Right, like being able to collect Mog and stuff off of that, or like uh uh. Or uh, uh, mounts. Um, I I yeah. enjoyed those, um, but you know, there's always like a little level of satisfaction. You're able to, to figure it out yourself. It's just that there's there's always a limit to me where it's like ah, this is aggravating now, and I don't care enough to figure it. Like I, I can't figure this out within like you know five to ten minutes. I yeah. Really I mean, don't. honestly, it's a little bit yeah. of like. There's like an urge for completion that I that I feel with this kind of like secret findy stuff, um, and we've talked a lot about like completionism and like and, and games recently, um, but like the secret stuff will definitely fall into that category sometimes, and I do think it can be like draining because it is some of the hardest stuff to do a lot of the time, right? Like it requires like a real focus and energy in a way that I might not necessarily like want to give but i also have that like innate motivation and i so i do i do like feel that frustration and there have definitely been times where it's just like all right you know i'm fucking i'm out yeah yeah i i think i think that's the way like the way i most enjoy them in games where it's not like where like it's kind of like a more open game right like in like a, a skyrim or even a dark souls right it's like i find the things that i find along the way um and I feel good about those because I haven't looked them up. And then, like, the things I miss usually aren't too big a deal. It's a little bit bigger of a deal in Dark Souls because there's, like, unique weapons or whatever. But, like, say Skyrim, right? Like, you find, like, any of the little secrets or, like, in, like, say Fallout, you find, like, a scene put together. And you're like, oh, I can appreciate that. But if you missed it, it's not the end of the world because it's just, like, you're not going to see 100% of the game for the most part anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I feel less less kind of compelled for those and it bothers me less um because you can just kind of like find what you find and you you preserve the uh the kind of delight of, of finding what you find if yeah. that makes sense yeah 
Do, is there do a lot you... more? Is there a lot more to go into on secrets? Um, uh, I, I was just gonna ask. Do you, do you have like a favorite secret that you can that that, can, that you can call to mind? Boy, that's interesting. A favorite secret. You know what honestly might be one of my favorite secrets? This is kind of a shitty answer. I feel a little embarrassed almost like saying this answer, but it's the first thing that popped into my mind. Okay, so in uh, the Saviors of Old Doom Hearthstone expansion, they like release new Hearthstone boards. And one of them is like, and, and each of the Hearthstone boards has like a different corner or whatever dedicated to like a thing, right? They, like It's like interactable. You can click on it, kind of whatever. Um one of the cool things about uh, the Saviors of Old Doom Hearthstone board is that there were there was like a statue and it, it, but it was just like his, the the statue's feet with like ten toes or whatever. But clicking on the toes would play a musical note, and clicking on like the first toe would like change the key signature, right? Um, so if you change the key signature to like whatever it is and then play the original League of Explorers theme, it like does a little like fireworks thing and it like plays the theme. And like, I just remember thinking that was so fucking cool. (laughs) And like, I know that's really stupid and dumb. Uh, they've done this a bunch of times with, uh, with Hearthstone. Like, so for instance, um, in the Ungoro board, there's like a, there's like a bunch of primitive drums on one side, and then there's a volcano on the other side. If you play the drums in a specific order, you can make the volcano erupt. Um, or like in Rastakhan's Rumble, uh, you can do the same sort of thing because I think there's also drums in that one. Um, but like, yeah, the the Hearthstone secrets on the boards have always been fucking great, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's that sounds that sounds like a a, a ton. What is what is your favorite? Uh, what is your favorite secret? Yeah, I I, don't, I you know I've I've been I've been thinking about it and I don't like. There's not there's nothing that comes to like mind like super off the top of my head. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking th- I'm looking through my 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 like the the games I've played recently. And there's not there's nothing that that like really sticks out to me as being like. Super, super, super uh, 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 compelling. Unfortunately, uh, um, I honestly feel like yeah. there's like a really great answer to this, and I'm just missing and like completely, I'm completely forgetting it. You know, we've played so many games over so many years. So. Yeah, and, and you know, also like what counts as a secret, right? Like yeah, you yeah. know, like some of like the dumber events in Crusader Kings Two are like super fun to me and like oh yeah no i didn't even think about that but that is a great example like in europa universalis there's like an 85 percent chance that like the obvious history thing will happen a like you know 13 percent chance that the like the obvious other way it would have gone in history happened and like a two percent chance that just like fucking bonkers shit happens at like certain big milestones like for instance when uh Air- the like the kingdom of aragon and castile formed spain or whatever like most of the time that just goes off without a hitch right you get married you click the button okay fine sometimes it's like fucking this descends into violence you're now at war okay that's cool castile versus aragon that's cool and then sometimes it's like you're now the holy roman empire 
It's like, oh, fuck, what? And that kind of stuff is really neat. I, I, I didn't even think about that, but that's a great example. Yeah. No, no. And, like, you know, and, and those aren't, like, things that you can control for the most part. But, like, you know, like, even simple stuff like, you know, like, you, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, occasionally, like, you'll find, like, a demonic tome and, like, like magic will work in some way. Really, like what what is happening type of stuff. And that, that's all like super fun and super silly. Um, and of course, the game has a way to turn those things off, which I think is is good, so that you you, you don't have to break your immersion if you don't want to. Right. Um. Uh. But yeah. Um. Otherwise, like the so in in Destiny, there was a room. Like this is like way back on release. There was a room in on the top of uh, kind of the tower that had like these interactable objects that were like kind of like um, it was actually broken on PC initially, but like you you basically they were kind of like hints about the upcoming expansion. It was kind of neat, but they put like the quest for a an exotic weapon later like off of that same room, and I thought that was pretty neat. Um, like the, the heavy bow you get um, from the start of this year, I believe. Um, like it'll tell you where it is, but you kind of have to figure out how to get there. I'm like, oh, that looks like you could get there from like the old secret room. I went there and sure enough, there's like a path off. And I was like, oh, this is neat. Like stuff like that's always just like kind of like fun and satisfying to like be like, ha, huh, I, I know what you're supposed to do here. And you and you can kind of do it. And it's not uh, not not uh, not too difficult. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think on kind of the other side of that, some of the things that I have enjoyed least um, are some of the the Destiny two like raid and uh, and uh, dungeon uh, quote unquote secrets, um, which are like the way you complete them, and they're just like so obtuse. I don't know how you would figure out how to do them without a guide, right? Like you you, you went raiding with us that one time, right? Like, can you imagine yeah. trying to figure out those mechanics without a guide? Like, oh, absolutely! It's just, it would be insane. Yeah. And like you know, you you obviously like you know with with WoW like some of the the mechanics are esoteric, but at least you kind of have an idea of like what what you're supposed to be doing. Like it's kind of clear like what the mechanic is. Like maybe how to solve it is like a thing is an exercise of, of raid planning. But like you know, you know that like the way you stop the AOE damage from 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 hurting you know the 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 AOE that's put on you from hurting other people is you don't stand near them. That's like obvious to to a person looking at it. Where it's like you know, like. How do you like, you know, open up the the space raft and have, like figure out which ball to throw things that is just like over the top in Destiny a lot of the times, and not in like a super fun way. Yeah, um, I mean, and it's funny because like, you know, I, I like this sort of thing when it comes to raiding, where like you walk into the raid and you sort of have to like figure it out a little bit. I think maybe the best example of this might've been how we were doing payday. Like with payday, we weren't even, there wasn't even like a guide or anything, right? We just, we just understood the mechanics and we were just kind of iterating on them over and over and over again. Um, like until we successfully robbed the bank without like setting off all of the guards or alarms or whatever else. Um, and that was like, and that's like really cool and really fun because you're you're doing this sort of like strategy tactics sort of thing. And sometimes you can get that in like other raids, but a lot of the times you'll just have like the guide, right? Like in WoW, before you do any raid, somebody will say, "Go watch the boss fight," and it'll like teach you the mechanics. And like that's not to say that there isn't iteration, um, because there very commonly is a lot of like iteration where it's like, ah, well, we're gonna do it this way, we're gonna change it up here, do that to kind of like get across to the other side to like match your raid group specifically. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, there is there is definitely something I guess to be said for sort of the like esoteric hard to parse mechanics. I don't know. It just feels like Destiny should have been more straightforward than that, I guess. Oh yeah, right like so like Destiny like there's a little bit of wiggle room for like like you know like while we were playing we came up with a couple strategies on the fly as to how to deal with um like certain challenges right like that thing where you and i were like passing the ball around on uh, oh yeah yeah spire of the stars right that was like a thing that came out but like most of that was kind of dictated whereas i feel like in wow right like you know you can watch your video and read a guide and just do it that way and that's fine but if you wanted to you could like look at the mechanics and devise your own plan um because like all of those mechanics are fairly legible Right. Or at least like, you know, only take a couple of iterations to figure out like what the legibility of those mechanics are. Um, and it's even helped even further by the in-game raid guide. Right. Like it, which kind of gives you basic descriptions of what's happening. But like it's it's never anything like, you know, it's it's never like anything cryptic to figure out. Right. Like it's just kind of like, can you execute on these like fairly easy to comprehend mechanics, if that makes sense. Um, which I think I think at the end of the day is kind of. You know, this is kind of going out of secrets territory, but I think that's kind of more rewarding because, like, if you want to, like, spend the time to to drop your own battle plan, uh, you can do that without, like, um, without it being, like, you know, totally, you know, there's only a certain amount that, like, figuring out how it's supposed to go is satisfying, right? And it's only only valuable once for the most part, right? Like, once you, once a mystery is solved, it it ceases to be a mystery if if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's uh, I guess yes. the secrets. Um, yeah. And we've also had we've had two weeks. So two weeks of things. So tell me all about your two weeks. How's two uh, weeks of maybe quarantine for a little bit of that going for you? I've been I've been actually fairly quarantined for the entirety of the two weeks. I went out and got groceries a couple of times. <laughs> um, so you know, lots of lots of stuff. Uh, lots of kind of like things that are relevant to this podcast happening. Um, as I was mentioning during the main cast, I played and I beat Dune 2016, which is a ton of fun. Um, uh, well done. Um, there's like some uh, talk, like I could see some some complaints about like certain uh, like you you really kind of can get by with mostly just a combat shotgun, which is fine. Um, but like the the other guns, well, fun to play with. or like feel like you don't need to use them. Whereas contrast to Doom Eternal, which has just come out, um, uh, like you kind of really need to be switching between your weapons to kind of like act, like engage with each um, combat encounter. I also think that Doom 2016 on its normal difficulty was a little bit too easy. Um, uh, and Doom, uh, Doom Eternal is much harder. It is one of the hardest games that I've played, but it's it's a ton of fun. Um uh, one thing I will say is about Doom 2016 is I wasn't a big fan of the boss fights, mostly because they operate on fundamentally different rules than, like, the kind of general combat encounters do. Um, uh, this is, like, a lesser version of, say, like, what was happening in Deus Ex, uh, man, or, uh, what was the first Deus, Deus Ex reboot? Human uh, Revolution? Yeah, Human Revolution, where the bosses were, like, you had to beat them combat-wise, and if you were a stealth character, they didn't quite work. Um, it's not that bad in Doom 2016, but, like, the, the kind of rhythm of a Doom uh, encounter is, along with, like, fighting these demons, you can also do executes to generate health. 
Um, and so you can play like you want to play super aggressively because you know that like if you're on the bottom half of your health, if you go in hard, you get the chance to recover and like do an execution move and, and gain some health. The boss fights don't really have ads in them, so you can't really do that, right? Like if you go in hard, you might just get like blown the fuck up, and so you have to play them a little bit more carefully. And it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world, but it's just like not nearly as compelling, or it, it just it feels like a like a different way to play. It just, they just play super differently. And it, it felt like a very jarring to play those fights. Um, yeah, that sucks. I mean, like, honestly, I remember playing, uh, days text. They eventually fixed it in like the director's cut or whatever. Um, but I remember playing it the first time and like, it was almost impossible for me to get through the first boss just because I had put all my stuff into like stealth and hacking or whatever. And it's just like, what do you fucking do? Like, how am I going to defeat this boss? uh with with like those skills in the in the, like the director's cut they added things where you could like hack a turret or something like that um but but yeah i i that is that sucks yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, i was like it was not that bad in doom uh in doom in doom 2016 like it's just like a kind of like a you have to recalibrate and those were by far the toughest fights i i had in uh in uh, in that in that game, um, but like I said, so far Doom Eternal has been super fun. It's been super. Uh, uh, it's been super tough. I'm not super deep into it, but uh, I've I've been enjoying it. Um, before I go into the other stuff I've been doing, why, why don't you uh, why don't you tell me what, some of what you've been doing? So part of my part of my thing is I've been like searching for like other games to uh, to so, like, sort of play. So like I said, I, I beat Mass Effect Andromeda, which I man going back to that game. That game is super fun what a great experience just like the second to second gunplay of that of that game was um the the, you know like the final boss was very straightforward um in terms of just like it was the like you fight the big bad guy in a big boss fight and you know it's it's fun or whatever um, but just like the, like the dashing around the using, the using of the weapons, like I was really surprised at how quickly I just kind of reoriented myself into each of these different play styles. Like I haven't played that game for like four years, um, three years, I guess it came out in 2017. Um, and, uh, and I like immediately was like, oh, right, I remember. This is the build where I dash in, and then I use my shield to, like, DPS guys down, and then I use the dash again to refresh the shield sort of thing. So it was kind of this, like, melee power-based build where I was doing a lot of just, like, you know, pulling guys and then blowing them up with, like, the lance, and then whatever my shield got low, I could just charge to another guy with a shotgun and, like, blow him up sort of thing. Um, but one of the interesting things about Mass Effect Andromeda is that they have these things called, like, profiles, and you could swap between profiles in the middle of a fight, right? Where, which would, like, change up your, you could only have three powers active at any individual time, but, like, you could choose what three powers you had. Um, and so, like, that was my base profile for just kind of, like, fighting mooks or whatever. But, like, not everybody is susceptible to that sort of fighting, Um, so I also had a profile that was like, okay, well, this is the one where I want to like stay back, zap shields, and then charge in 
and use this barrier to like kind of keep myself alive right and then i had a profile that was just like this is the profile that i put on my best gun and i activate the gun buffs and then i shoot the guy like the bullet sponge boss a bunch and he fucking dies um and so stuff like that like boy what that what wow what a great experience going back to that game was like i honestly like almost want to just replay the whole thing um what a game killed by memes it just like will forever be remembered by like awkward stare animations and like the lifeless eyes thing and yeah man rest in peace master andromeda it doesn't help that bioware abandoned it too right like it was supposed (laughs) to get (laughs) no that absolutely sucked because like like andromeda introduced like a lot of like really cool like lore um and I actually think that the central narrative was, like, very strong and engaging. The characters, like, the companion characters were all, like, really, like, fun. Uh, yeah, there's, like, a lot of really great stuff about Mass Effect. They just rest in pepperonis, I guess. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah, well, they have claimed that they're not abandoning Anthem. So, like, you know, maybe maybe they'll make that compelling at some point oh god yeah i know i should go back to anthem because i never even played it like i basically just like i put like 60 hours into that game but um i basically like hit the end game uh and then i was like all right well i know that like the raids are coming out in like a couple of weeks or whatever and they eventually did get released but i have no idea how like good or bad they are yeah Uh, it's just like nobody nobody knows nobody plays nobody cares kind of thing i understand my understanding is that everything about anthem is like super underwhelming and they, they like they're basically going to do. I. It sounds like they're going to, in some way, like do basically a realm reborn, but for Anthem at some point. Uh, which you know, kudos to them if they manage to pull it off and make it good, right? Like a lot of kind of games in the space have had that moment, right? Like you know, as much as Anthem is just kind of like I found it to be kind of like boring and trite or whatever. Um, you know, Destiny wasn't super compelling um, until it hit Forsaken. And, you know, why I've been happy with some of the content updates, you know, people will disagree on that. But, like, you know, there's there's all kind of that stuff in there. No, um, yeah, for sure. Like, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, actually, is um, since, I, since I, like, went back and, like, replayed Mass Effect, is kind of like how Anthem is sort of just, like, Mass Effect but worse, in a way. And I'm a little bit like, why didn't you just make this a Mass Effect thing, right? Like, move the Mass Effect timeline forward 200 years. Now there are fucking robot suits everybody fights with robot suits whatever sure and you still have biotics or whatever that's fine um like it just seems weird to me that they wanted to like make a new ip rather than to capitalize on like the strong ip that already exists like people fucking love the mass effect games mass effect 2 was trending on twitter the other day because people were recommending it to one another to play while they are quarantined and so i don't know and like even just like like there are some aspects about anthem that got kind of like taken from like one of the things that makes mass effect uh like the mass effect combat like that defines it is like the detonators primers thing right like you hit somebody with a fire thing they're suffering from that dot but then if you hit them with another power that fire thing will explode for like a bunch of damage or whatever and anthem had that but like just for some reason it just like didn't feel quite as good and it never like worked in the same sort of way um 
The one thing, like, the, the hover combat and the flying in Anthem, it was a lot better than it was in Andromeda. Um, in Andromeda, you could do that sort of, like, hover stuff, but the hovering just, like, wasn't... It, it never lasted long enough, and getting out of cover just kind of encouraged people to just, like, fucking own the shit out of you. Maybe I was playing at a higher difficulty, so maybe it was something kind of along those sorts of lines. But in Anthem, like, you can actually do the thing where you sort of, like, sit in hover mode, and you're, like, shooting your gun, firing off your powers or whatever. Um... Uh, to like good effect. I also feel like the powers in Anthem were not as like unique and varied as the powers in uh, in Mass Effect were. Uh, like one of the things about Mass Effect is that like you typically get thrown a lot of more guys than you can like reasonably handle as like a you know like as an as an individual or whatever. So you need a lot of CC. Whereas I felt like Anthem generally didn't want you to be worried about cc at all you were just trying to like kill all these dudes as quickly as possible yeah and i think on top of that and like is because the guns were so weak by comparison those are two like variation points that can like make you feel like a little bit more unique that like i feel like we're, we're, we're yeah kind see of that's another one of the th- one of the things that was interesting about mass effect is that the it is the same sort of thing the guns are weak in mass effect for every class except for soldier because the soldier has specific moves that increase accuracy and increase your fire rate and increase your gun damage or whatever and so like whereas if you're a biotic or whatever you're using pull and warp and throw or whatever and you're like detonating these biotic combos that's how you play if you're a soldier you're basically just buffing the shit out of your guns right and so if you want to play like the gunplay version of mass effect you can by investing in soldier abilities that like affect your guns or whatever um but otherwise it is the way that it is in anthem where where it's like the guns are the auto attack that you fill in while your abilities are on cooldown right like your abilities are more powerful than your guns so you use your abilities with a priority and then you just kind of like fill in with like pot shots or whatever uh or like whatever else and anthem doesn't have anything like that like i guess the closest thing is like that default class the ranger has a little bit of that with like one of its abilities that like powers up uh that like powers up guns or whatever um but i don't know it just like felt not great yeah and, and like if, if you want to make your characters feel like more unique that's like an <laughs> easy thing to like tweak right like or that's not an easy thing to tweak sorry that's, that's the wrong way to put it but like if you want to give characters another kind of axis for them to customize along to like make their character feel more their own that's a thing that you can target and if you make the guns proportionally more powerful right they make it a real part of your build rather than just kind of like a it's like kind of like a side thought almost um then i think you can you can you can uh pull that in i think you could like like they were they made steps towards that right where like uh one like like the the heavy can't use the small stuff as if they can use like the big the big weapons, but I think they need to like flesh the system out a little bit more, right? Like, um, you know, maybe like give each class like something a little bit more unique and like, you know, or like maybe like give like the class a way to cross spec into something like that if you really wanted to. You know, there's like a bunch of ways you could have done with it and, you know, we're not on that team. But I, I, I think there's like interesting stuff there. Like I was hyped for it um, and was just kind of disappointed by it. I am hopeful about uh the reboot um there's a lot of games that go through this in the modern age which i think is is a separate problem but like a problem but like you know it's a a thing that can be fixed um and i'm hoping that it that it that that when it comes out it's better um but moving moving back to things that uh 
Uh, I actually did do with my week. Um, uh, I watched. Have, have you seen Peter Jackson's uh, uh, World War One uh, restored footage film? Uh, oh no, I have heard a lot about it. Uh, it's called um, like they, they shall not they, they shall not grow old. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah um, uh, it's really interesting because like it's not a documentary like I've seen. Uh, and, and then you get okay it, ever before, right? Like it's and it's, it's not to like say like it's like um, you know like crazy or anything, but it's it's footage from World War One. Uh, a lot of cases restored um, and digitized. Um, I need to go back and watch the making of feature. At my my brother reliably informs me that it's it's very interesting. But like just watching it on its own, it's kind of like footage that's been colorized, restored, kind of. Um, been able to like been able to play it fairly crisply because it's like analog i don't understand the the kind of technical details behind it but it looks really good um um and it's overlaid with just like quotes from people um that were in the world war one just talking about like like the different aspects of it and it's like there's no like there's like somewhat of a narrative through line and like the way they pre- present the orders they go from like um uh, recruitment to like training to the war to like the end of the war like it's like the battles like it's uh it's like there's like a a chron- chronology to the to the film and like the things that are presented but it's not like there's like an, it's not like you're in like following a soldier or anything right it's just like scenes from the war with commentary essentially from people who fought in it like talking about like you know like you're talking about their experiences with it right like um you know there'll be like some soldier um recounting what it was like to like you know live in the front lines of the trenches and it'll be foot line or foot, foot line, footage of the front lines of the trenches um of people of soldiers just kind of like sitting there um half miserable it was a super super interesting uh film uh highly recommended to, to anybody who's interested in world war one at all um i thought it was really well done um and then the bigger thing i've been doing uh viewing wise is in um in the attempt to to get myself to watch Better Call Saul, I have been watching Breaking Bad. I want to hear not... all about this. Tell, yeah. Give me just like minute by minute, live tweet it for me, please. I need to hear this. So I've been I've I've gotten through the first two seasons at this point, which has included the appearance of uh, uh, the aforementioned Saul Goodman, um, who is who instantly became my favorite character as soon as he showed up, just like. Um, you know, I had heard the phrase before, but like, you know, we don't need a criminal lawyer. We need a criminal lawyer if you yeah. catch my drift or whatever, which I thought was, was great. Um, uh, and just Saul Goodman is just kind of like this, like unapologetic, but very practical, uh, you know, lawyer I, I thought was great. But to the actual plot of the show, mm-hmm. um, season one felt very much to me like uh, edgy Malcolm in the middle. Um <laughs> Because it's, like, really before, like, Walt starts to really go off the deep end, at least as far yeah. as I can tell. Um, season two is where he really starts to get into, like, just being an absolute fucking shithead in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, like, it's funny. I mean, boy, it is funny to watch people talk about Walt going evil in, like, season four. And I'm like, do you guys all remember when he just sat there and watched What's-Her-Face? Uh, I'm sorry. You've been all the way through season two, right? Yes. Yeah. No. Okay, and good. like, yeah, I, I called the girlfriend dying like, the moment she showed up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, the yeah. Mo- like he just watches it, and it's like, how do these people not see like 
it's evil as fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> so, so like, that's like, that's like a, a a less directly evil moment, right? Like, that's like uh that's like a he's like he 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 seems like he he's like he seems perturbed by it, and he seems to like not know what he should do, and like he's like it's 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 an evil moment, but it's not like a dastardly moment, if that makes sense. Oh, I see R- what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, it's not like he's it's not like the cold rational like like. I should let her die so that, you know, Jesse, you know, uh, you know, snaps out of it or whatever. Right. And he does go and like get put Jesse into rehab. Right. Like he just kind mm. of like, like he like at that moment, the, the read to me at least was like, you know, I should probably do something, but the consequences of me doing something are probably too great. So I will let her die, which is more of a cowardly evil is the way I'd put it. Um, um, but he's just kind of like a dick, right? Like the way he just like, is like, he's like basically abusive to Jesse. It's just kind of like, like every time he's just like you, you know, you retard, you know, like he doesn't, uh, you, you like you, you dumb druggy, whatever, right? Like you're a worthless piece of shit or whatever. I'm just like Jesus Christ, Walt. Like no need to like. And it's contrasted so much by like how much he takes care of him, right? Like how much he like he goes and like makes sure that Jesse gets taken care of. Um, so I thought that was uh interesting. I like I really like Hank as a character because like he starts out as just kind of like a, a meathead. But, like, you know, they, like, move him through, like, you know, like, he's actually very competent, and then they move him into this, like, kind of uh, PTSD arc, which um, isn't nearly resolved at, at this point for me yet, right? Yeah. Like he, no, I love um, that PTSD arc from, from Hank. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I think he's, like, a really compelling character. Um, uh, you know, the, like, the whole family dynamic is is just, like, it's 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 like kind of hard to watch sometimes just because it's like like there's a bunch of like real stuff here like you know like really good writing really good emotions right like walt jr like not understanding why his mom like suddenly wants to divorce his dad and like them not being able to talk about it's just like oh god like this like and like oh like I don't know. I need to, I need to watch more of it. One thing I will say that I I didn't like is um all of season 2 you get like you get these like kind of like premonitions which is like this black and white shot with like this uh you know the teddy bear Oh yeah, the color. teddy bear. Yeah, the, the reveal like, is super dumb. Yeah. And it's it's like it's just like not great, right? Actually, like, I actually like that moment a lot. You know what I mean? Like Walt kind of like falsely empathizing in a way with the dad of like the girl he kind of sort of killed or whatever. Um, is like, it's not quite like a sociopath thing because it's not that direct, but like, I, I think that's a great moment and I think that that's like cool or whatever, but just the, the plane crash thingy is just very dumb. I think it's yeah. all super dumb. Yeah. You know, like the, the specific moments with like there aren't, aren't terrible. It's just kind of like, it, it feels very kind of like a, a tease to like something that's like not. Uh, like, you know, it, it, it feels very kind of like bait and switchy, right? Like it's, it's just kind of like, oh, this is really nothing, right? Like the, it, 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 there's nothing to explain here other than like this, this dumb kind of deus ex machina. Um, although like, like you said, the moments around it are pretty good, right? Like I, like, I really love this kind of like the, the, the pin that they're all wearing all throughout, like this, this, all the, I've watched like three or four episodes right now. And it's like, everybody's wearing this fucking pin and now, you know, it's like, it's, it's fading into the background. It's kind of like, Oh yeah, that's the thing that happened. Right. Um, uh, but then like, 
like you get to the point where like Walsh just kind of being a dork at this assembly is like, oh, this is only like the 50th worst, uh, you know, thing that's happened or, you know, like flight accident. Right. Like yeah. think, you know, it's just like, God damn it. Like, you know, I mean, um, it's also something that's like kind of impossible to happen or whatever. I like read an article that was like written by like a fucking like flight traffic controller where he was like, th- like, I understand why they think that's cool, but like most plane things that happen happen like on the tarmac or whatever. Um, like the deadliest plane crash when two planes crash together is because they like rolled into one another on a fucking tarmac. Um, so the sort of like, I, re- I honestly like, it's one of those things where I just like, I wish like, just shut up, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Let the fantasy live for me, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, it's the, the- like some of it's the opposite for me because you, you had mentioned that legal legal gave better call Saul on a plus on like some of the legal stuff right yeah and like as I'm watching this show like you know part of me is just like I want like a like a methy sethy to come on and tell me how much of this like meth stuff is real right or like a chemistry teacher to like you know because like it seems to me like the kind of core conceit of this is just like this chemistry teacher is good at chemistry so he does meth really well. And, like, above and beyond what anybody else does. You just kind of, like, I don't, like, I don't believe it to a certain extent. And, I, like, the point is supposed to be that, like, it's, I, I think it's supposed to be that, like, like his crystallography background gives him, like, a unique insight that, like, a normal chemistry teacher wouldn't. But, like, the stuff that, like, it, it just seems like he's just doing basic chemistry in a lot of places. Like, it, it feels like that there would be somebody else who would take advantage of this. Especially given, like, the character of Gus who's, like, a normal person that is also, like, impinging on this world. Like, like, I, I, basically, I, I don't quite believe the, like, you know, like, everybody, all, all the gangbangers are stupid, and you just have, like, a smart guy, you know, like, a smart guy take over this and, like, it work, if that makes sense. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, this, this, all, all the stuff you're describing is the stuff that I point to when I say that I think Better Call Saul is better. Part of what makes Better Call Saul better from, like, the drug stuff is that it's it's less low to the ground and more about, like, the higher-end business. I won't, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything, obviously. But it's just, like, it's a lot more concerned with kind of, like, the higher-end aspects of it um, than the lower-end aspects of it. Like, it's not really worrying about individual drug dealers on the streets, but, like, supply, demand, right? getting product across the border those sorts of logistics and that's much more i think fun and like interesting um than the kind of like this drug dealer is a douche and he gets you know whatever it did uh did the thing with the atm happen in season two or season three uh it's season two yeah. okay yeah like that that whole episode is like very out of place for like the better call Sauls. uh <coughs> <laughs> just because it wants to be like higher level than that which i like i also think that there's a certain amount of just like growing pains in that show that like better call saw kind of like i talk about like sitting on the shoulders of giants, giants. right yeah, yeah. but like these this is a team that's like been working together not for one show but like for two shows and a movie over the course of you know 12 years or whatever so like it, it obviously makes sense that they like really ironed it out I, you might actually have a tougher time one of the things about better call saw is that because saul is the the central character he carries like the plot more and so he's kind of less like like right now he kind of gets to do the han solo thing a little bit so he's probably a little bit like flashier and like more fun than he is in his solo series um but i think in a like rare 
sort of reversal of how I complain about that. Uh, Saul is an incredibly compelling protagonist. I think he's like deeper and more complex than Walter White ever was. Interesting. Uh, and uh, and like, boy, God, that show is so good. We'll talk about it when we talk about it. Yeah. No. When we get to the uh, when we get to the uh, to, to the end of that road. Um, yeah. No, it's 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 been an adventure so far, and I'm I'm definitely enjoying it. Um, is there any other anything else I want to talk about with with that show in particular? Um, How do you feel about Skylar? Uh, I I don't like. I mostly find like her to, like. She seems mostly just kind of like a. a conflict engine right like i don't know like i don't particularly enjoy like in, in like i don't particularly enjoy her character as as she stands on her own right like um her and marie have a lot of kind of like karen vibes that like kind of like it's kind of like like put me off of them initially but like i i get kind of like the struggle there right like i like I find that like compelling, I guess, but it, it, it's hard to kind of like separate out some of that stuff, stuff, right? Like it, it's hard to get into the space at least where you are trying to like basically be in her position and understand how she is feeling, not knowing the things that we know as the audience and adjudicate whether or not her like, her suspicions are reasonable or not, right? If, if that makes sense, right? Like, like I know that Walt is doing all the things that she suspects him of doing, um, or, you know, is at least, like, unfaithful in that, or, you know, like, uh, secretive is the better way to put it in that way. Um, uh, and, like, so so the end of the episode I just finished is uh, is she, she, she has sex with her boss. Um, and, oh, like, yeah, she, she fucks the, Ted. That's uh, a big yeah. deal. Yeah, um, and she and the, like so the end of the episode was was her whispering to Walt, "I fucked Ted," right? And like the episode ends, and I I haven't seen the next one yet. But like the kind of fundamental thing there is like it's interesting because like it feels like she like it feels like like the, she's at her breaking point, and so it feels like a little bit justified, right? Like or like like you know like it, it feels like she's like within her rights to do that, right? Like, like Walt is basically disrespecting her desire to like be divorced. And so she's like, well, if I can't do this, I'll do this, which is, you know, fine in its own way. But like, it's like worse in some ways. Cause like Walt, Walt is doing what he's doing to provide for his family. And, you know, there's a lot of argument around that, you know, like obviously he didn't need to do all the things he needed to do. Right. Like he's obviously bitter about the stuff with Elliot. Um, and I think it's important that they show that he didn't need to do this. He chose to do it because he's, like, stubborn and arrogant. Um, but, like, at the end of, like, at least there's, like, some, like, there's some, like, drive there that, like, he's doing it because he needs to provide for his family. Whereas, like, you know, she what she's doing is purely, like, for herself. And even though she can, like, deserve that, it still feels like... Like there's like a like a like a like at least an argument there if that makes sense. Yeah, people fucking hate Skylar White. Like they just absolutely revile her. And like I think a lot of it is like 
you know, misogyny and just kind of, like, general... I think also a lot of people, like, have the Fight Club problem with Walt. Like, you'll read people give defenses of Walt that, like, are mind-blowing. Because, like, the show absolutely does not support... You know what I mean? Like, people will say that, think about the families, and it's like, no, dude, Elliot was more than happy to pay for it, and he was too prideful and stuck up to, like to take the money, right? And he he would much rather be, like, evil and, like, in control of, of whatever than, like, take the generous charity from the friend that, like, kind of sort of fucked him over or whatever. Um, and I agree with you, right? Like, I think that's an important thing that we need to... Um, that's an important thing that we, like, that needs to kind of be, like, highlighted. But just, like, yeah, there's a lot of people that want to, like... That, like... I mean, so p- part of it is that, like... Skylar's character is kind of a bitch, right? Like, that's part of what, like, she wants to read as, right? Like, And, like, I don't know. I get, like, not liking her from, like, a narrative standpoint. But, like, I I think part of it, too, is that, like, she is mostly there to just kind of, like, be, be, like, a pain for, a a pain point for Walt, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and, like, I don't think the show does a great job of, like, establishing her as particularly likable in the first place. Um, and so I think it's easy to be, like to look at her flaws and like, and like and like uh and, and kind of dislike her for that for that for that kind of end. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh God, Breaking Bad, boy, bringing yeah. me back. I, I remember. I remember when Breaking Bad like ended. What, what a huge deal it was. Uh, and now, and now here we are. Now, how, now is how we live. Uh is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I think I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, what about you? Uh, so the last thing that I wanted to bring up, and I'm sure we'll end up talking be talking about this more, is that there was like a gigantic. Did you see? I, I talked about this like a little bit in the uh, in like one of our Facebook chats. There was like a gigantic announcement for a Hearthstone 2020, basically the year of the Phoenix. Um, with a ton of new stuff happening. Uh, the most important of which is that they're adding a new class for the first time in Hearthstone's history, which is crazy because, like, I mean, it's not that crazy because, like, the information is outdated, but a couple of years ago, Ben Brode basically said that there just wasn't room for another class in Hearthstone, that, like, (coughs) you could only have the nine classes. Um, Making a 10th class, an 11th class, a 12th class would, like, really, like, dilute things. Uh, but here we are, they're adding the Demon Hunter to, uh, to Hearthstone with, with, like, the next expansion. Um, but on top of that, like, they're doing all these other things. Uh, like, so, for instance, duplicate protection, where now, if you would get a card, you are guaranteed to get a card you don't already own for that rarity slot, right? So if you get a, if you get a legendary, you're going to get a legendary that you didn't already have. If you get an epic, you're going to get an epic you didn't already have. For all rarities, um, like, going all the way down to, like, commons, which means it's going to be, like, so much easier for people to, like, fill out sets. I'm actually kind of, like, really wondering what motivated that change, because, uh, I kind of secretly think that they looked at Legends of Runeterra and Magic the Gathering Online, and they're like, "All right, all right, buds, we 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 can't, we're not top dog anymore. We gotta we gotta like compete, uh, which I think is like neat, but also like interesting, but also like crazy. And they're also doing like a big rework of the priest class, um, where priests are 
getting like a bunch of their old cards kind of thrown out and a bunch of new cards put in their place uh, to kind of center the priest a little bit more around control rather than like combo and stuff like that. There's been a lot of like, you know, everybody has been hit by the divine spirit inner inner fire combo in their life. Um, and I think they're just kind of like looking to get away from, from that kind of gameplay. Um, but so like they're, they're hall of faming Velen and like Northshire cleric and bringing in new, you know, like new cards to kind of replace them. It's nuts. It's wild. It's crazy. Uh, all of this is like releasing in like two weeks or whatever. I'm very excited to see what the, what the demon hunter looks like though. I will say that, I'm a little bit apprehensive because, like, the Demon Hunter is doing things that I sort of feel like warriors should be doing. And I'm a little like, hey, whoa, step off, bud. That's a warrior thing. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, it sounds like they, they skipped right over the monk. Uh, so I'm, I'm very disappointed. Yeah, they skipped over monks. I mean, they kind of sort of had Death Knights because, like, the Lich King and, like, Arphis could, like, generate Death Knight cards. Um, but... Uh... Yeah, they, they kind of skipped over the Death Knight and the Monk and went straight to the Demon Hunter. The Demon Hunter's thing... There, there's, a, there's a lot to like about the Demon Hunter's thing. Uh, the Demon Hunter's thing is very, like, aggressive. Uh, and they want to be, like, attacking a lot. Their hero power is one mana, and it gives your hero one attack. And then they have a bunch of stuff that, like, triggers on, like, if your hero attacked this turn, you know, XYZ kind of, uh, kind of thing. Um, but then they all, they also have like token synergies, but the thing with their tokens is that they want like large amount of creatures to die. So you want to like flood your board with like shitty little one ones and then kill them all and like blitz your opponent in the face for like 20 damage because of that. However, that would look like that kind of a thing, which I think is like neat. And it's a, it's a different version of sort of like token strategies than you see in like Druid or whatever, where you want to like make a big board and like give them all plus one plus one kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's that definitely sounds sounds interesting. It seems sounds like they're like breaking kind of like a lot of um, standard kind of uh, or like you know kind of like a sacred cows, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the new cards ignores taunts. Uh, in fact, it gives all of your your cards the ability to ignore taunt, uh, which is like that's a sacred cow. Fuck, dude. Like taunts don't work against that card. That's damn. Um, so, yeah, fucking hard. Oh, and then the last thing that they're doing is they're getting rid of ranks 1 to 25, and they're making it uh, – it's now 50 ranks, but it's, like, bronze 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, uh, and then bronze, silver, you know, gold, plat, whatever. It's a little bit funny to me that they didn't immediately embrace this because, like, the bronze, silver, plat stuff comes from StarCraft, you know. Uh, and so it seems like – kind of like on brand that they would want to that they would want to use it but they had this like you know rank one rank five rank 13 for the longest time so the ranked uh the rank system is also going to be a bunch a, a bit different yeah all right well we'll be looking forward to that um if you'd like to email us about what you uh, you think about secrets and games or uh, any other things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at somedervisplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at somedervisplaygames.com. You can follow us on twitch.tv slash somedervisplaygames. Uh, you can um, donate to us at patreon.com slash somedervisplaygames. And please uh, leave us a rating on, uh, on the different uh, podcast services if you can. Um, that's everything I had, buddy. Buddy, do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. 
Uh, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. 